0: what's that you're holding
1: well this is a burr box from crown dental burrs and it has dr flo king's name on it and the reason we've implemented this in the practice is that paul has the rota system so his great burrs are kept in order that means you can ask your nurse for a number of burr which means you'll always get the same burr and the rota system means you'll never run out of burrs so it's definitely worth the investment and it's not nearly as dear as you might think for something this good
0: Why did you invest in the Navident dynamic navigation system?
1: It's incredible. It brings our safety and accuracy up for patients. Here is a tracker that we use. And thanks to Rob from the dental imaging company, it's been great support and so easy to set up. I see why so many people go to him for their digital imaging, 3D or two-dimensional, and also all their surgical supplies like Ustamed screws. Rob's been incredible and I'd highly recommend working with him.
0: Greetings Dental Professionals. I'm Flo, a new addition to the field.
1: And I'm Ali, a seasoned dentist who's been around for a while.
0: Welcome to Pearl's Two Generations in Dentistry, where we explore the depth of dental expertise.
1: You can find us on Instagram at Pearls Dental Podcast. We hope you enjoy this episode.
0: So Ali, how was your week?
1: Uh, it's been a good week, but a busy week for a change.
0: Um, <laughs> I'm going to have to get a clip of every single episode where you say the same thing.
1: The thing is, that's how the weeks go. Um, no, it's it was a, a week that uh, culminated in, in a course over the weekend. Um, it was an implant treatment planning course, mm-hmm. and we had 10 delegates down from all over the UK um really cool group of people because we had some people who have never placed an implant Mm -hmm. and we had someone who's a max fact surgeon who's done a lot of oncology implants Mm -hmm. but hasn't had to deal with uh dental restorations Mm. and so a range of experience and um yeah it was it was a really really nice day because every it's quite often i say this that it's that we get groups of really nice people, mm-hmm. but they were all there to help each other and it made it a really easy day. So I had a great week. Thank you.
0: Oh, well, well that sounds amazing. I think it's really interesting with the talking about sort of that restoration as well. Um, I was listening to a, a podcast, the producer dental podcast, sorry to shout another one out, but <laughs> <laughs> it was an old one, but they were talking particularly about how it's much, there's so many more factors to think of with peri-implantitis than, periodontal disease um and yeah i do think it's worth like not only having to think about you know that smoking and diabetes but you know the design of what you're putting in the colors, the abutments and everything so there's a lot there which it- there
1: is a lot there and we did talk about all of that but um even beyond that now there is things that we didn't realize are relevant to this so um i'm going to shout out to zero bone loss concepts and um adam gavani who is the flying dentist uk who had his case shared on zero bone loss concepts that he's managed to rescue a failing implant. And I messaged mm. Adam saying, how did you do this? Because mm. the bone's grown back on and it goes against everything we understand. <laughs> and he's going to publish a protocol, mm. but um, we're realizing uh, that biology and prosthetics and all the things we do in the patient does all come together. Mm-hmm. But there was the paper that you and I looked at last year mm-hmm that was looking at the osteoimmunology Mm -hmm. and the fact that osseointegration is a misnomer Mm -hmm. and actually it's shield off bone forming around our implants and i mean this is a topic for another day Mm. but it's really interesting that everyone is realizing the surgeons are realizing they need to be better with the prosthetics the prosthodontists are realizing their surgery matters the periodontists Mm -hmm. are thinking actually we've been right all along until that paper (laughs) came out um and there's yeah. no specialty that has ownership over implants mm-hmm. and the reason for that is maybe we need to be working in bigger teams even within one small treatment plan mm-hmm. so that we can tick all of these boxes
0: oh uh, yeah i completely agree well i mean it's a little i remember last year when you talked to me about oh do you want to go into implants sort of get in there nice and early and that was i said i need more of that general dentistry scope yes. um before i think jumping in because it is you I mean so impressed with anyone that does implants there's so much to have to consider and I think it can sometimes well it never seems simple it is quite amazing but it can seem sort of like oh we just pop that in there and then something screws on top but actually yeah there's so much so much to consider with it
1: I guess it's the same with whatever you're doing in dentistry where when you have to explain it to someone else you feel you don't give them all of the steps because you take some of those steps for granted mm. there was a good few people on the course that said that occlusion was one of their concerns mm-hmm. thankfully aston <laughs> was there and and he is the occlusion guru as far as i'm concerned mm. um but you know we all have uh, uh, blind spots mm-hmm. in in our dentistry and actually Uh, the more we've worked as part of a team at the practice the more i've realized that but Mm -hmm. um yeah i think you know one day we'll do we'll do a deeper dive into this stuff but um, yeah how how was your week
0: um i had a yeah good week um i have realized that there's an astronomical crossover between runners and dentists i was supporting tom in a race this morning and Ran into a lot of dentists. Oh wow. <laughs> um, Okay. So, Was it local? Yeah, just uh, just in Butte Park and Cardiff. Oh. Um, um, very proud of Tom, um, but yeah, also all the dentists and uh, yeah, dentist one Emily Fell. So yeah, for lots of yeah, teeth and teeth and running clearly have a good crossover there. <laughs> um, but other than that, I've just been yeah, doing some general dentistry, organising. Um, some stuff for my talks and the dental ion tubules event um, coming up at the end of the month um, and yeah had some headshots done down at Cardiff Bay as well which was which was fun it's always nice to get nice and dressed up as well so.
1: you came in afterwards and I said what are you up to and you pointed at your face and I was like and um so yes I can you know you
0: didn't say what are you up to you said oh have you done anything this morning And I was like, it would be amazing if I'd just, you know, rolled out of bed looking like me.
1: Sorry, I I must be oblivious. Yeah. Um, No, that's that's um, that's showing me that, again, when we're talking about our weeks, there's so much going on. Mm. Um, Maybe we need to touch on some work life balance (laughs) at some point and talk about
0: that. Definitely. Maybe Um, maybe next week then.
1: Because we have our ebbs and flows, don't we? We have Mm -hmm. great weeks where. Um, we find our rhythm and where there's a lot happening, but it's all the right mix of stuff and there's enough uh, time to decompress. And then there's weeks where just uh, a few things get thrown into the mix that make it a little more difficult. Mm -hmm. And um, I think sometimes we're a bit casual about discussing how much is going on when we're publishing and teaching and speaking and working in practice. And I think it's unfair sometimes on the people that might be listening because it makes it seem like we don't have maybe the same struggle with some of these balances mm-hmm. so maybe maybe we look into that
0: oh yeah definitely i know i definitely struggle with that balance and yeah i think it's a really important topic yeah to brilliant. Cover. um but that takes us on to today's topic um and we thought we'd talk today about vaping um it's obviously been all over the news particularly over the last few months um I thought I'd start with the classic Google what the definition of a vape is. Um, and it's a device used for inhaling vapor containing nicotine and flavoring. But quite interestingly, it's actually not a vapor, it is an aerosol. Okay. And that is something that I must admit I actually did not know until doing some research for this episode.
1: Sorry, what is the difference between vapor and aerosol?
0: So I think it's to do with the fact that vapor is more, you know, that just almost like steam kind right, of like right. there is uh like an aerosol there's yeah there's a lot more chemical to it there uh, i mean
1: just just off the bat that's basically throwing droplets into your lungs mm-hmm. so you're coating your lungs in something that i mean i don't know if it's that big a difference but it doesn't sound very nice to me the aerosol sounds worse
0: yes yes <laughs> but i i had no idea <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Um, um they were invented in china in 2003 um actually by a guy whose dad passed away from lung cancer so it was sort of initially it was that smoking cessation they came to sort of the usa and the uk kind of mid-2000s but they really started gaining popularity in 2013 i do remember being in my last couple of years of school and suddenly people had those the ones that actually looked a lot more like cigarettes do you remember those yeah i do Yeah. yeah Uh, they weren't as they weren't as fun.
1: <laughs> was was there some kind of event in 2013 that triggered all of this?
0: I, don't, I, I didn't find anything. Yeah. In my research, there at all. Um, Someone must
1: have seen a marketing opportunity. <laughs>
0: no, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, and still, ninety percent of that production comes from mainland China. Okay. Um, but I want to chat a bit. So, from your opposite who do you see vaping?
1: You know, I was thinking about this when we talked about the topic, and I actually think I've worked in lots of different practices and lots of different areas, and there's I, I, I find it really strange when I was looking at some of the statistics when I was doing some research for this, because I don't have a lot of patients that are smokers or vaping, mm-hmm. but the ones that are vaping tend to be quite young.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's the ones in their 20s that come in and are vaping, mm-hmm. and it's, it's every single uh, smoker that comes into the practice I, sp- I have to speak to them about the consequences because I'm just speaking to them about implants mm-hmm. and the consequences on implants and I do have that conversation about have you thought about stopping I've always done that and um, I used to advise them to go to uh, Alan Carr's Stop Smoking which I realize is not the comedian <laughs> um, it's, it, it's a stop smoking program and that's because one of my patients about probably about eight years ago, told me about this program. And they went to a seminar mm-hmm. um, in person. And at the time, they paid about £300. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the seminar, they were told that if you ever smoke again, you'll get your money back and it's guaranteed. Mm. And it just completely put them off cigarettes. And the reason I'm saying this is that that's something... If I said, have you thought about stopping? And people said, yeah, but, you know, I find it really difficult. That's where I would kind of send them to. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't found that a lot of people tried to stop smoking by going to vapes, mm-hmm. in my experience, but that might be my demographic.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But um, the, it seems to be the young ones that come in and are vaping, but have never smoked.
0: Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just... Per, obviously this is anecdata rather than proper data, but I know in my family, um, this is my, all my siblings over the last few years have tried to stop smoking. And one did it just cold turkey, very impressive, the other did the did it with vapes and did the starting with the sort of the normal nicotine one you buy and then had to purchase sort of the ones where the nicotine reduces until you actually okay. end up on a zero percent one. So you're just then and then it's just breaking that habit and now right. they don't vape at all. Okay. Um and did really well. But interestingly about that is in terms of that marketing, getting the reduced percent nicotine ones is really hard to do and you can only get them online you can't oh. get them in the shops
1: so it didn't come as a package with all the reduced no. ones going down as part of a program because clearly that's not beneficial no, no. to the people selling it <laughs> yes
0: yeah and um, and then yeah the last sibling is still trying to break the habit so as <laughs> <Okay. laughs> ebbed and flowed going through going through that program and then sort of bouncing back um, see
1: yeah and my generation I can't believe I'm using that term. Um,
0: <laughs> Two generations in dentistry. Yeah, yeah, it, it really is.
1: I mean, when I was growing up, shisha became a thing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and uh, this, you know, this uh, uh, this pipe, uh, what they call a hookah pipe, mm-hmm. and it comes. I think it's a Middle Eastern uh, tradition where you put um, a flavored molasses into mm-hmm. this pipe, and you use a coal, and you smoke that. And uh, the marketing changed for my generation and they thought it makes this nice sound Mm -hmm. so they started advertising it in kenya where i grew up as hubbly bubbly Uh, (laughs) right because it's onomatopoeic it sounds like that and all of our parents when we were growing up just thought it was just flavor
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um they didn't realize it's tobacco Mm -hmm. and it was this thing where this flavor and the smell and you're playing with the smoke Mm. and it's kind of everyone realized how much worse it is because of how much more you're smoking mm. and, and you're putting a piece of charcoal on top of it. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and it kind of reminds me of that, where um, you've got these people walk past me and I'm like, ooh, bubblegum, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, wait, what am I doing? This is terrible, right?
0: <laughs> um, that reminds me actually of part of our finals at Cardiff for my year, uh, we, no, the year above, they had to, to label a shisha pipe. That's part of one of the exam questions.
1: Why is that? no
0: idea. But now I feel like maybe what, some of the years coming through are going to have to label a vape.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a strange thing to have to do. I mean, to actually, to say it's a shisha pipe is one thing. To have to label the parts. <laughs> label the parts,
0: it? I know. I, incredible general knowledge. Uh, but yes, um, the, I do think it is scary, that marketing towards the youth and you only have to walk past these shops, and it is, they're so bright and colourful, and they're, yeah, they've got all these flavours like bubblegum and peach and passion fruit and everything. Um, And I was, yeah, looking at some statistics and it's a a fifth of 11 to 17 year olds have at least tried vaping, um, which was up. So that's 20%, which was up from 13% in 2020. And still 7% of them are sort of actively vaping. 7% are
1: actively vaping.
0: And that's so that's under 18s. And in this country, yes, it is illegal to sell vapes to under 18s. That's incredible,
1: isn't it? Because when you actually look at that, these habits are forming so early. I'd be so interested to see the long term uh, data from that 7%. Mm -hmm. Um, But I wonder, do you know what the statistics were on cigarettes for that age group?
0: so there are more people in that age group there are more people vaping now than smoking okay but overall in the uk so when you start putting adults into it there's still more people smoking than vaping so it's around three million vaping and six million smoking
1: so that's interesting because these kids would a lot of them would just not be smoking. Mm. It's not It's not just a transfer of numbers. Mm-hmm. We're actually going to see an increase in, in the use of these products mm-hmm. because of vaping. Yeah. Gosh.
0: Um. And yet yeah, interestingly, in terms of adults who vape, it's 0.6% of adults.
1: That number must be massively down in the last kind of 10 years to what it was. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, you may not have looked it up, but I, I still, you know, I still remember. <laughs> I mean, I remember when the Good smoking ban came in and, yeah. um, and you'd go out and you wouldn't smell like smoke anymore.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
1: and it was great. I mean, I'm, I'm really sad about what's happened in New Zealand because I think mm-hmm. reversing what was an incredible law mm-hmm. is such a shame. So they had decided that every year the next year down can't buy cigarettes i'm not mm-hmm. sure if i'm explaining that well yeah. so that um they were going to phase them out in a number of years and that's been reversed and it makes me think who is reversing this stuff because why wouldn't this be a good idea
0: mm. well it is i think meant to be coming into this country wow I think okay. it's on the cards
1: Okay. I was trying to look to see if producer Simon was nodding or or shaking his head. Whether there's going to be a New Zealand style uh, smoking ban, an end to smoking for certain age groups coming into the UK. Have you heard anything about that? Um, Yeah, and and not selling cigarettes to to different ages coming through. Yeah.
0: Well, Well, that would be amazing
1: if that actually happened.
0: Yes, I think it's on the cards, but with Mm. the the general election coming up, I'm not sure what's going to happen.
1: I I feel like we need to touch on this topic because I'm sorry, I know it's on a tangent, but um, there are plans to let dentists into the UK to Mm -hmm. work on the NHS. Mm -hmm. And I was reading about this today, I mean, because now we've touched on elections, we can touch on this. (laughs) I mean what they're doing is saying anyone can come in now and i actually i don't have a huge problem with people coming in mm. i just think that they're trying to now bolster a falling system whilst elections are coming in and it's the same as mentioning mm-hmm. this uh smoking ban's going to come in it's going to come in mm-hmm. it's these it's it's reactive decisions mm-hmm. that are not well considered and are not actually going to solve the long-term problems mm-hmm. um, i'm going to get off my soapbox about this no, sorry no, it was no. just
0: no, I, I I completely agree. I think yeah, I think I think it's very good having a workforce that can come sort of from everywhere. But you've also got to have levels of protection there. Yes. And um, this isn't this isn't it's actually not solving the problem sort of in a right way. It's very much just someone trying to plug holes desperately.
1: Yes, and and actually, so the worrying thing is you say protections. I I really like looking at it like that. But a lot of the public will see it as us trying to protect the workforce. And it's not that, it actually ends up being part of it. Uh, we're not worried about our jobs. What I'm really worried about is firstly, people come in who might, the UK is very good at working to guidelines, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. like look at all the, you know, the nice guidelines, SCDP, Keep. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I've, I've tripped over my tongue there, the Scottish guidelines. Um, We've got a lot of great guidelines, the Royal College come out with guidelines. And a lot of countries all over the world adopt these guidelines. So what you find is when you go to take your Royal College exams for your membership exams, you'll find people from all over the world and people in their countries will seek them out because they, they, those exams are just about guidelines, right? Mm-hmm. So what I find interesting is people will come in, I don't know, you know whether they're gonna take exams or how robust this will be, but the worrying thing is if they're not working to the standards that the UK dentists are trained to, Mm-hmm. Then we're going to have problems, poor patients are going to have issues, mm-hmm. but medical legally, it could be a storm for us mm-hmm. because suddenly there's more of an issue coming through mm-hmm. so um yeah, I hope someone somewhere in the political field, maybe at the b d a is is stomping their feet <laughs> um not waiting so how long do they wait? They waited eighteen years from two thousand and six to make noise this year about the new contract, which is eighteen years old, so I'm guessing in about uh, 2042, mm. they'll oppose this.
0: Yeah. Lillia will be a, an adult by then. <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah. Everyone,
1: no one will have teeth by then if we carry on at this rate. Um, but sorry, you were talking about vaping when I interrupted.
0: Yes. Uh, well, talking about laws, one of the laws that is meant to be coming in and supposedly in the next six months, but we'll see, is the ban on disposable vapes, which for, for me, I think is a, a massive thing that we should be doing um the amount of sort of single-use plastic that goes into them and not only the plastic but the lithium and the cobalt um is i mean they're all finite resources and really sort of lithium particularly if we're moving towards this more renewable energy future is going to be really vital for sort of batteries and sort yeah. of like electric cars um at the moment, five million disposable vapes are thrown away every week week a week wow i <laughs>
1: yeah. mean you you see this right like, and you hear about it i mean i have a I have a daughter who's one and a half, so I go to playgrounds
2: mm.
1: and I find disposable vapes on the floor in playgrounds, and mm-hmm. it's where teenagers will get mm-hmm. together because you know they're not they don't have twenty quid to go spend on a cocktail, so they're <laughs> going to get together at these playgrounds and mm. It's, you know, I understand their concern about the sustainability, which is the number one concern, but it's also just disgusting. And we look at it and, you know, if you ever visit a country, I haven't, but I know places like Singapore ban chewing gum because it's gross having chewing gum all over the place. Mm -hmm. And they're such clean places. And overall, I think the UK is really good at like, we don't just find litter everywhere, generally Mm. speaking. But this is a littering problem as much as anything else. Oh
0: my god! Yeah, no, you do. You find them in, yeah. Being a runner that runs on lots of trails, I'm astounded by where some of these come from. <laughs> like, I yeah. clearly am the only person that's runs on this trail. Where's this vape? The, or or, or they're the vaping whilst they run? <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally.
1: Um, so I don't understand why they're waiting till the end of the year to introduce this ban.
0: So it was announced a couple of months ago, and I think they've said it, it, to roll it out with everything. Okay. It's going to take. the The article I read said six months. Okay. From sort of the but. So is it
1: like grand design? Six months, so it's going to take six years. <laughs> Maybe. Wow. Um, okay. I'm, I'm
0: really hoping by the end of the year that there won't be the disposable, vapes, and then we can just work on, the reusable ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So in terms of what, vapes are made of, you have, nicotine propylene glycol vegetable glycerin flavorings and they're as we said before they're made using sort of a lithium battery i thought we could go through sort of each of the the ingredients yeah and sort of talk about sort of how it affects that dental health and send maybe sort of the what oral health
1: and uh, you may not have looked into this, but do you know what the function? in terms Ali, of in the why is, do you use
0: you southern implants?
1: I love these implants, brilliant. I
0: okay, I have no, options like coaxis, no, no, which, no, which yeah, 38% of implants
1: that are yeah. used by yeah. Yeah. southern uh, are coaxis, uh, like, yes, which means uh, that 38% uh, of the uh, well, time, well, if you, you don't have coaxis angle correction at implant level, you're compromising on your treatment plan. On top of that, soft bone implants for the pterygoids, as well as the max implants, immediates for molars, can say having zygomatic implants definitely the way to go
0: <gasps> sadly not so in terms of nicotine Ali, can you name everything in the practice that's made by W&H? Off the
1: top of my head all of our hand pieces, our sterilisation equipment, my implant motor the Pizomed, they're an incredible company to work with because they're an Austrian company that focus on hygiene and we know from studies that patients care most about hygiene. To top it all off, the support we get from them is amazing they don't actually supply the equipment but they provide the support. Now that's true support. So yeah, the restriction to blood flow causes most of the problems I believe
0: yes Um, yeah and it affects then that healing and all the connective tissue Um, the thing that I did find interesting and I just love this term is so although vapes have less nicotine in them even sort of the stronger vapes than smoking traditional cigarettes um, the big difference is the puffing topography which I just love as a phrase right (laughs) Um, mean that actually people are taking in more nicotine than traditional cigarettes because they're constantly using yes. it. It's the shisha with... issue. Yeah,
1: You you sit there for hours with your friends mm-hmm. and you're just, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I, yes, I really like that phrase, puffing yeah. topography. Um, and it the other big thing, particularly in young people, is the addictive nature of nicotine. Yes. And it can sort of affect the way some of that brain is being wired. Um, and it's just gonna make it even then harder. If they're taking on that even more nicotine to quit, the propyl sorry propylene glycol um, is very acidic.
1: Okay.
2: Okay.
0: So when we're then looking at sort of what that's going to cause issues with in terms of the enamel, you're going to get sort of tooth wear issues there, Um, and when it breaks down as well in in the mouth, it produces. And I do apologize, I'm terrible at pronouncing these propion aldehyde right um, which actually um, irritates the soft tissues as well um, so you've got sort of these working just from that that ingredient alone um, that it's going to sort of be weakening that tooth enamel and then a- affecting the soft tissues
1: sorry, in, a question from someone who doesn't vape and hasn't vaped mm-hmm. Do we know or do you know mm-hmm. if then the the vape is is it going onto the the buccal surfaces of the teeth mm-hmm. or is it going to affect the palatal and lingual surfaces
0: so this again i did actually find some stuff on this and they said it can actually be a lot more around the front and it's similar with cigarettes yeah. where that that anterior region sort of that initial bit is going to get more right and then yes on the palatal side because you're not sort of getting so much
1: Okay, so, because I was almost imagining, like, you know, when people bite onto a bite plate for an OPT, they're not <laughs> biting onto their vape to use it. So it is just going onto their lips, like, kind of like a a superficial straw would be. And so yeah. we're going to see signs of tooth wear buckly on, on mm-hmm. these kids, potentially.
0: Um. So, yeah, some tooth wear, yeah sort of i think generally all over but yeah particularly where that is sort of coming in i know i don't know you find it but sometimes in smokers when you're going around doing sort of like a six point pocket chart and you go around buckley and you're like oh this isn't this isn't too bad and then you go around politely, and you're like oh my gosh the yeah. probe is disappearing um and it is it that there is sort of that direct if you're if it's closer to that tissue it's going so sorry you're effect.
1: saying that it's closer to the palatal and lingual yes. tissues okay okay so it's going okay because um it's difficult to separate the area that's harder to clean so the oral hygiene mm-hmm. and this but this makes sense yeah yeah
0: so it's a yeah a lot more in that sort of the the, the oral cavity area. right um the other big thing that it causes is dryness yeah Okay. so with getting that much less of a saliva buffer um it's allowing sort of yeah streptococcus mutants to just run wild um and yeah that's what one of the big things that's causing them a lot of the sort of perio side on and and carey side yeah with with them
1: and and I don't mean to be judgmental, but the chances are, if you're someone who likes flavored smoke, you're not really going to pick up a glass of water if your mouth is dry. So there's probably a Red Bull or an Iron Brew chasing that down. Yes. Um. And and that's <laughs> it. That's just a fact that actually, if you're using something that's going to dry out your mouth, you're probably going to follow it up with with a drink. And mm. the problem is that if that's sugar, you're you're doubling down on that.
0: Oh my gosh! And then if they if everything's already weakened because of it being acidic, it's just yeah. everything's even worse. Then, in terms of that vegetable glycerin and the flavorings, um, they're very sticky. Yeah. And they quite often have glucose and sucrose and all the sugars in them as well. Right. So, you've got this. This is in the vaping In liquid. the vape itself. So, okay. this isn't even with washing down with a fizzy drink. So, um, you're really, you're doubling that biofilm growth. Um, it's
1: a little bit like... um. It's va- it's like vaporizing a soda, isn't it? No, like we're saying yeah. it's bad enough, but this is heating it up, vaporizing it, and then throwing it at your teeth. Yes, yeah.
0: an aerosol Coca Cola, effectively. Gosh,
1: <laughs> with a bit of nicotine. Yeah.
0: With yeah, so that it's even more addictive to come back to, um, and then the last bit with the lithium batteries. Um, yes, they can potentially explode in yeah. your face, um, or there's yes, improper use can lead to burns and ulcers. Um, the there is also one other thing that I learned about. Have you heard of vapor's tongue?
1: No, I have not.
0: So, apparently, um, it's associated um, sort of with using e cigarettes that you can lose your sense of taste. Okay. Um, I couldn't find the exact mechanism. Did they happen for it, to study but... <laughs> this when COVID
1: hit by any chance? L- <laughs> loss of taste, it's the vape. It's <laughs> definitely the vape. It's not this virus that we're not admitting exists yet, it's the vaping. Um, Okay.
0: I couldn't find a lot of in terms of the mechanism of that bit, but um, I just, yeah, found it quite interesting.
1: And kind of away from the mouth, it was really sad, you know, I think a couple of years ago there was more publicity around it um, in, especially in, I noticed in actually in like TV shows Mm and mainstream TV shows where they were really pointing towards things like popcorn lung that they were seeing Mm -hmm. in young people Mm -hmm. and they were seeing this massive effect. And it, I, I really think it's it's to do with rather than the vaping being more harmful, that the volume of it, the what did you call it? The smoke topography, uh, the
0: puffing topography. Wow.
1: Puffing topography <laughs> um, makes make such a difference because it tastes nice and it seems harmless because of that flavor. Mm-hmm. And it's fun. All these clouds of smoke coming out mm-hmm. that actually um, the, the there's an acceleration in, in these health problems that you see Mm -hmm. um it's quite worrying as a parent actually because i can see the appeal as well you know when i was when i was a teenager i'd have been like oh that can't be that harmful it doesn't Mm. smell like something burning
0: Mm -hmm. i know it's true do you do you think it's better than smoking
1: this is really difficult and actually um i want to say yes if it's the same amount being used but it's not going to be the same amount i think it's better than smoking if it's being taken up to stop smoking Mm -hmm. it's it's what the tool is being used for Mm -hmm. so i think it's actually really dangerous as people taking it up who don't smoke because it's a fun thing to do or a nice thing to do Mm
2: -hmm.
1: from what i've seen um i i'm hesitant to say that it's as bad or worse because a lot of the people that i've treated are using it to get away from cigarettes not using it on its own but when i speak to patients i say to them we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that actually doing the research for us speaking today has made me realize that we're starting to know. Mm-hmm. And the fact is that it's not better.
0: Oh, yeah. I think the big thing that I'd say and this, I found this sort of dotted around sort of all the different papers is the overall sort of consensus is, yes, it's better overall for your health than smoking. Yes. But worse for your oral cavity. Okay. Um and I'm not talking about sort of the cancer side here, because yeah, I think that, yeah. that's separate there. Yes. But um, yeah, in terms of sort of the teeth health, particularly, it seems to be worse, and I think it's because of that sugary component on top of the nicotine component. Um,
1: Do we have any idea about the cancer risk, um, the oral cancer risk with vaping?
0: I couldn't find any.
1: Data. data it's too there. it's too early yes. it's too early we might end up with you know between lungs and the oral cavity and everything in between mm-hmm. we might end up with with a huge uh, cohort of people who have who have this problem
0: yeah well i think what was interesting on the sort of the gov, the gov website um their sort of conclusions were that it is less risk than smoking but it's not risk-free yeah and well that's that, as
1: much of a cop-out <laughs> as what i was saying yeah great yeah
0: <laughs> And that more long term studies are needed and those studies also do need to be more standardized and consistent in mythologies.
1: So it, it, that's interesting because everything I looked at was concluding that more studies are needed because essentially we're in the infancy of vaping. Mm-hmm. And we know, you know, I think it's, it's well known now, excuse me if the, the details are right, but we know that we know about the lung cancer risk with smoking mm-hmm. because a cohort of doctors were followed right Mm -hmm. and through their lifetime and by the end of their lifetime it was definitive Mm. so you know do we want to wait for that much data before we go maybe this isn't (laughs) such a good idea you know um maybe what we need to do is come up with a a contraption where you put a piece of menthol chewing gum in Mm. and you get a little spray of hot water across it into your mouth and we say you know what is that good enough because (laughs) because everything i've looked at that so i was I wanted to talk about two studies that I found that I thought were interesting and they were interesting in different ways. So in the first study, and I looked at this from an implant viewpoint because it's relevant to me and Mm -hmm. that's what I thought I'd look up. So they looked at actually um, spraying uh, smoke or vape Mm -hmm. onto osteoblasts. So in a lab setting. So this is not a clinical study. And this group... um, Uh, for an hour a day, put cigarette smoke, nicotine-containing vape, Mm -hmm. and non-nicotine-containing vape onto these osteoblasts and then looked at their activity. It was a very uh, science-heavy paper, but what they concluded is that um, whether it contains nicotine or not, the vaping has an effect on the osteoblasts. And actually, um, the extrapolation of that data was to say... That it, it, And this was, sorry, um, looking at the osteoblast activity against titanium surfaces, so it's mm-hmm. relevant to the implants. And they were saying that this could affect both the integration rate and the complication rate of implants. Wow. Now, I'm very careful about these extrapolations and how early these clinical studies are. But the fact is, if things are being affected on a cellular level, they're being affected. Mm-hmm. And I think it's in our best interest to proceed with caution when we look at these things. I mean, the fact is that a patient comes in, they're not asking for an implant that will work for a year. Mm. They're hoping for forever and it's our job to say that there's no such thing as forever. But all these factors play a role in that. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: The thing that I found really interesting was actually the systematic review and Mm meta-analysis that I found on, and and the title is The Impact of Electronic Cigarettes on Peri-Implant Health, a -hmm. Systematic Review and Mm Meta-Analysis. Now, they were looking at Probing depths, bone loss, and interleukins. So these are bone bone destruction mediators in the tissues around the implant. And what they found is that e-cigarettes are a potential risk factor for the healing process and the results of implant treatment similar to cigarettes. Mm-hmm. So they're they're putting them on par. Now their caveat is. Um, Performing clinical research to evaluate the e-cigarette effect on peri-implantitis in an age and gender match population is needed. And what they're saying is we need to dive deeper into this. But as far as I'm concerned, that's already uh, grounds for caution going forward. Oh, yeah. And it's relevant to me because I don't like to promise patients anything that we can't deliver. And I want I want patients to own their their risks. Mm-hmm. That's the only way we can go forward in a way that ends up being a win for them. So at the moment, um, one of the questions I get asked is, do you treat smokers Mm -hmm. and do you treat Mm periopatients? And we're very open about this because it's on our our workflows. Mm -hmm. And actually we have pre-treatment workflows that you carry out, post-treatment workflows and implant disease workflows. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is when a patient comes in and they're considering having implants, the questions that we're answering are, is there active periodontal disease Mm -hmm. and that for us is an absolute contraindication now there are people out there who will place implants on someone who has unstable perio Mm. but the reason that's a line for me is personally that's an evidence-based and moral line Mm -hmm. where we if there are teeth that cannot be improved then actually we should be incorporating them into the plan yeah and if they can be improved we should working be working on improving them because We owe that to the patient, they owe it to themselves. And actually, that's going to mean that the implants fare better. Mm -hmm. The one that's a bit uh, more difficult is the smoking. And my line has always been that they have to accept responsibility for the smoking. Mm -hmm. So if they smoke and they accept responsibility, which is the different uh, success rates, the different guarantees that we provide, Mm -hmm. And the different risk of peri-implantitis and the costs for treatment for all of that, if it happens, um, is very different to someone who doesn't smoke. Mm -hmm. And if they won't take responsibility for that and they don't feel that it's reasonable, then we can draw a line there. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But I think based on the research that I've done in this discussion, I think it might be a case of altering our protocols so that e-cigarettes are part of the smoking protocol.
0: Well, it's interesting. That was actually one of the questions that got sent in was, would you place an implant on someone who vapes?
1: Yeah, I, I, I would, but I will now be... I People used to say, oh, I'd talk to them about smoking. Mm. And I'd say, we're not sure where vaping sits between not smoking and smoking. Mm-hmm. But now I'd say, look, we're not sure, mm-hmm. but we're pretty sure it's close to smoking. So mm-hmm. I'm actually just going to be giving you the same guarantees as if you were a smoker. Mm-hmm and hopefully we can encourage some people to consider it because the fact is there might be patients out there Mm -hmm. who think that oh it's fine it's vaping Mm -hmm. and it's an opportunity to introduce them to this data Mm -hmm. and to the fact that it might not be as safe as they think and if they go well no one's you know there isn't the um cancer warning on the vapes
0: yeah
1: because we don't know yet but do you want to do you want to wait till we know
0: no i know i i think what's amazing is if you look at a cigarette packet compared to a, a vape packet and it is again it's that marketing on the cigarette packet you've got that picture of someone oral cancer on their tongue and and i think that we're maybe not far off something being put on vaping to show that it's not all bubblegum and pink and fluffy and yes and, uh, and, yeah. and
1: actually i mean what they should do is really, they should have plain packaging and they should make them shape the vapes like something disgusting. I can't even think of what it is. I can't think of something. But, you know, um, I just think they should be shaped as something that you don't want to put your mouth on. So so that you're making sure someone really wants... and, And make them do it in front of their friends. Put your mouth on that in front of your friends and see how cool you are. Because the fact is, you know what? We owe that to the youth. Like, we've all been young. We've all been stupid. We've all done things. And... If we don't put up barriers, there's always going to be someone who is trying to exploit the marketing and business opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually it's that's the job of government, isn't it? Yeah. Make them not cool. That's the best <laughs> yeah. weapon we have against this.
0: I think in some ways it maybe there should be a bit more of a prescription service. So a bit with if you're going to be using them sort of for smoking cessation, yes. it is it's that packet of reducing it. Yes. maybe it's done through the pharmacy yes. rather than sort of shops and things i i appreciate this would be incredibly difficult to roll out and bunny wise but i i don't i sides. don't
1: think it's unreasonable flip because there are um you know there's there's diabetes programs there's mm. stop smoking programs and they're funded by the nhs through local pharmacies so uh shout out to uh, alim hansraj who's a, who's a a friend of the practice, and he's our—he's he, a local drug dealer, basically. He's a pharmacist. He's a pharmacist, and he—he he supplies all of our, or helps us, get all of our medication. So our antibiotics and our analgesics, and he works in pharmacies where he provides these services. And he talks to me about it a lot. And actually, the sad part is, so the great thing is there is funding for these services. The problem is if it's not funded to a level where you can make a big difference. So you know, with diabetes, there's no point. Uh, Handing everyone medication, but to make real lifestyle changes, you have to spend a lot of time with them to help them understand things. And I think this would be a really good use of funding mm-hmm. versus some of that. So I think it's actually a great idea, and I don't think it's unreasonable. Hopefully, maybe well, someone you know, in the UK honest.
0: government. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're listening, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, some
0: sort of politician get in touch <laughs>
1: yeah and, and maybe maybe listeners uh send us some messages about what the vapes could be shaped as to make them not cool <laughs>
0: Um so in terms of oral hygiene advice what I know you, I appreciate this is more what I do yeah but what if you were giving it now after the discussion we've had what changes would you make
1: I wouldn't change anything with the way we give oral hygiene instruction mm-hmm I I, I don't know how this would. I mean, do you have an idea of how it would change it?
0: So I well after doing this again, like you said about changing the protocols for implants. Um, when I say oral hygiene advice, I am umbrella terming sort of diet advice. Right. HIV. Okay. Okay. Preventative advice. Preventative advice. That was much more. Yeah. Um. I, yeah, I definitely think I am going to go a lot stronger on the vaping. Yes. Because before yes. I was a little bit like, oh, you know, it's you know, it's a bit of smoking cessation there but I I wasn't confident I think giving that sort of the full advice but actually there is data out there about sort of what it's doing to the teeth and I think the more vapors that I have been seeing and actually seeing some of the people who had stabilized their gum disease then they start vaping and suddenly it's unstable again even though they have swapped from smoking and again I think it is to do with that puffing topography yeah, and they're having yeah. sort of such a high hit then of nicotine that before maybe they would, had got down to sort of one or two cigarettes yeah. a day. Um,
1: but also maybe the effect on the on the microflora yeah. that's being brought about by, you know, things being stickier and more sugar, because that will definitely have an effect.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's nothing more powerful that we have in changing behavior than the barrier uh, mm-hmm. effect that we own. So for me, when we see someone uh, look we we're lucky we're in we're in a place where we tend to see very motivated patients right so people mm-hmm. come in and they really want to they're, they're here because they want to invest in themselves
2: mm-hmm.
1: and if they want to invest in stabilizing their it might have nothing to do with implants they might be working with you on stabilizing their periodontal condition and when you reach an an end point where the barrier is their smoking and one huge example of that is periosurgery so Mm -hmm. you won't do periosurgery on people
2: Mm -hmm.
1: unless their oh is almost perfect Mm -hmm. not even excellent and they're Mm non-smokers and the reason for that is it's a waste of resources not our resources you know we could we would get paid to do this work that wouldn't work Mm. it's because it's a waste of their resources Mm -hmm. and when they reach that point or their periodontal condition is not improving and everything else is great it's like look there's no point us, we could just go get blood tests and start looking for diabetes and things. But the fact is, you're smoking, and that's probably mm-hmm. a huge factor. And once it's a barrier to them achieving things, I think that's a really good opportunity for them to start to reflect on how much they need it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, for example, I now wear a whoop, and I can see what affects my sleep. I know, I know.
0: I'm <laughs> um, no, sorry, I'd say whoop. Whoop. <laughs> Sorry. a whoop
1: it doesn't feel right coming out of my mouth as whoop um a whoop um so so i'm i'm looking at what affects my sleep and it's forced me to look at the things that have a negative effect on my sleep hmm. and really consider how much i want those things and it's the same principle and actually that's more powerful yes. than someone talking to me about how oh yeah if you eat too close to bedtime mm-hmm. you won't sleep as well Okay, but when I can see the data, and, and this is the data. Mm-hmm. So from my perspective, we are in a position where we could really affect change, and from from the important consultations that I see, I, I can now, there's nothing more powerful than a financial incentive, mm-hmm. because if your guarantees are linked to your behaviors, yeah. um, then here you go. Yeah,
0: no, I, th- I, I think that's very fair there. Um, that's everything that I have. You have answered all the questions that the listeners sent in. Brilliant. Um, so, yes, thank you for your time. Thank I'm you. definitely yeah, going to change some of the advice I'm giving regarding vaping. I'm going to try and get the last sibling to stop. And, um, yes, thank you all for for listening.
1: Thank you. I actually wanted to say that it would be really interesting if anyone out there who's listening thinks we've missed anything Mm. because this is such a new topic and it's not something that we are experts in we've kind of looked things up so please get in touch Um, and also if you're listening to this as a podcast you won't see me looking at the camera Mm. um, but this is available on YouTube so um, if you want to watch this with producer Simon in this lovely setting um, then please head over to YouTube and please don't forget to subscribe rate and uh, like the episode it will help people find it
0: Thank you for listening to Pearl's Two Generations in Dentistry. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Pearls Dental Podcast. Send us a DM with any questions, queries or topic suggestions.
1: And remember, you can watch our episodes on YouTube. Please rate and review the podcast.
0: This episode was produced by Simon Regan.